Amen. Well, it is a new year. We just finished our UN series, which is was five weeks on really trying to avoid the terrible problem of people going to church and going to hell at the same time. That is a terrible thing. We don't want that to happen. I don't want anybody who is here to come to good old church and go to hell. That would be really, really a disaster. Does that happen? Do people go to church and go to hell? Yes. And in our efforts to try to make people more comfortable, is it good to make people comfortable? Yeah. Do we have more people here at church today because I'm wearing a flower thing? Probably. Absolutely. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I did take the little umbrella out of my coffee because I was a little concerned it would fall in there or some bad thing, but, and I don't, I, I can't do anything with that. I'm just going to leave it be. Yeah. I get, could put a flower in my hair. My brother, you know my brother, he got me this shirt. My brother is a crazy person. Um, he got me this shirt, which is a Hawaiian shirt of Hawaiian shirts. See, it's, it's, he's just a little funny. Anyway, you know what he got me for Christmas this year? He got me a little box of tattoo pays, is what they're called. They're tattoos. Little, you know, like those rub-on tattoos that are meant for a bald head. <laughs> You know, you got like deer tracks and you got a hair and a lawnmower and all these little things. I'm like, thanks, dude. Um, I'll wear the shirt to church. The tattoo pays you will never see. All right. Just letting you know. But we want people to feel comfortable. We want people to enjoy their experience. We want it to be, be meaningful and easy to come in and be a part of what's going on. But you know what? It's not just about enjoying a church service and having an easy experience. It's about giving your life to Christ. Surrendering yourself to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you can come to church without doing that. And we don't want that to happen to anyone. So surrender your life to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Learn what that means. As time goes on, you'll get better at it. We're all working through it. As you saw on the thing, nobody's perfect. Perfectly forgiven though. You know what? Perfectly forgiven by the amazing power of the blood of Christ. Perfectly forgiven and striving for perfection. Because the the Scriptures command us to be perfect. But I'm not holding my breath. Amen? But we need to strive for it. We need to work towards it. We need to try to serve God with all of who we are. So we finished that series. Uh, I enjoyed it. Hope you guys did too. Um, now we are doing, uh, we're going into our vision statement. It's the beginning of January, the beginning of 2014. And so we are going to look at our vision statement again. We have a six word long vision statement that's fairly simple and hopefully somewhat catchy. And these are the things we want to get right. We want to make sure we get this right. If we get this wrong, we're in real trouble. And so this is kind of our compass. Is What is Good Hope Church about? We're about our vision statement, which is this. Reach up, rise up, reach out. I'll say it again. Reach up, rise up, reach out. We want to reach up, connect with the living God. Either for the first time, you've never done that, you want to connect with God, you want to be reconciled with God, hey, the opportunity is there. If you've been a Christian for 20 or 70 years, 
We still need to connect with God. We still need to walk with God. We still need to reach up day by day and maintain that relationship. Rise up. This is a tough one. Did you know we're supposed to get better at being Christians? We're supposed to get better at it? A lot of Christians, they want to be the prodigal son, you know, but every day they want to walk away and come back and have another fattened calf and have another party. They want to do that every day. Well, you know what? I believe if the parable were to continue, the assumption in it is the next day the younger son got to work. That the next day he woke the roosters up and he said, let's get going. That would have been what happened the next day. He didn't perpetually be a seeker and perpetually want to be wooed by God and perpetually, you know, be running from God. He was, he was like, okay, I did my running. Was that, did I get the hips going? Hey, that was a serious point. (laughs) I ruined it. I ruined it. But you know what I mean? It's like we want to be being saved. We want to be being reconciled. But what do you do after that? Hey, now you get the junk out of your life. Now you get better at being a Christian. You get out of the mess and you get into your calling. We rise up. We become. And that's the, that's the sweet spot of life. And then reach out. If we know God is real and God has made a difference in our life and we decide, but it's only for us, no one else can have any, we've got a problem. We need to advance the kingdom of God. We need to share the truth of God with this world. So that's our vision statement. The three parts, reach up, rise up, reach out. This week, we are going to talk about reaching up to the living God. Reach up. Connect with God. Stay connected with God. I could preach on this for a year. Reach up. Connect with God. Now, how far can that get? I mean, you've heard you're supposed to have a real relationship with Jesus, right? You've heard that. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. We saw it in the video. It's about relationship. How far can that relationship get? You know, let's say your parents were like super, like they really loved orchestra. And so you're two years old, you're already playing the cello. You know, and you're going, you're going to the best teachers and, and you got, you got your Stradivarius make cellos. You got a fancy cello, you know, and how good at the cello could you get? If you were groomed your whole life and you dedicated your life, you were set up as a child to succeed and you embraced it when you got old enough to, to make the choice yourself and you just devoted your life to the cello, how good at that could you get? Oh man, there are people that are really good at the cello. But now for me, if I, you know, give me a cello, I could do this. I could make some noises. I might even be able to find a, a note, you know, it'd be close you know. <laughs> Pastor Mike's concerto in D flat. <laughs> Very nice. But I wouldn't be that great at it because, you know, I just haven't devoted my life to the cello. 
What if a person were to devote their life to their relationship with God? How far could you get? What's possible in this relationship? If we reach up to God, how, how close can we get? Would you guess you could get closer than you are right now? Would you think that you could get another step closer to God? That you could have that relationship be something more meaningful and more powerful? I believe so. Man, you know, I feel like I was behind. I got saved when I was 19, had no clue about God. But one thing that happened when I was 19 was I became very, very convinced of the existence of God. I became very, very convinced that God wanted to connect with me. Because He did. (laughs) And I knew God was personal, God was real, and God wanted a relationship with me. Nobody had to tell me that. And so at 19, I began to cultivate my relationship with God. And I wasn't very good at being a Christian at that point. In fact, I was quite bad at being a Christian. At a profoundly critical spirit. I was, I had a gift of a critical spirit. I mean, it was, I was good at it. Oh man, it's amazing. Oh man. My wife will testify if, if you need to talk to somebody about how bad of a critical spirit did that guy have, talk to her. Cause she heard it. You know, I was always yapping. Did you hear what that preacher said? Blah, 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 blah. And I had all these things to say. And, um, but I was just, uh, I was ignorant. And I had a wrong influence in my heart. And the Holy Spirit touched me and changed that. And now I can work together with the most incompetent, goofed up Christians. You know, so isn't that good news? <laughs> because God loves you, why shouldn't I? Yeah. Well, here's the deal. God loves you, why shouldn't I? You know what I mean? God has made provision for you to be forgiven and to be reconciled with Him. Why shouldn't I? If I'm following Him and He cares about you, who am I to reject that? However messed up you may be. Seriously, when we were God's enemies, He loved us so much that God, that Jesus died for us. And we're to love each other in that same way. That can be tricky. But that's part of growing in your relationship with the Lord is realizing, oh my goodness, He loves these people that I hate. I am now separating myself in my relationship with God. That was something I learned um, through experience, I should say. Not learned in the Sunday school sense of somebody told me I should love people, so I said, okay. But really the Lord got a hold of me on that. You can get to know God, how far can we get? How far can that go? Um, It's important to have daily devotions. That's very, very important. We do soap. We encourage people to do soap if they do not have a daily devotion routine. Soap is Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Wayne Cordiero, guy from Hawaii, um, pastor out there came up with the latest fad in Christendom, which is Christians should read their Bibles. It'd be very helpful for them. So he came up with his idea of soap, you know, wash yourself in the word and, and scripture, observation, application and prayer. Read some scripture, 
What jumps out at you? What are the observations? How can you apply that to your life? And then pray about it. Soap. So we encourage people to do that. If you've got a bulletin, there will be a, a thing about what uh, chapters we're reading. One chapter in the New Testament. You are not limited to that. You can read as much as you want. But it's very important to read the Bible, to read the Scriptures. And so last week, I was doing my soap, and it was Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I read uh, verses 15 through 17. If you're my friend on Facebook, I put this on Facebook. It says this. This is Paul, the apostle, talking to the church in Ephesus. And he really likes these people. And he prays for them. And here's what he has to say. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. These were people of faith. These were people who were reaching into God. And Paul prayed for them. He prayed that the Father may give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they could get to know Him better. What are some things we can learn from this verse? The first thing is if you can get to know God better, there are degrees of knowing God. There's knowing God a little bit. There's knowing God more. There's knowing God a lot. There's degrees of knowing God. Have you experienced that in your life? Degrees of knowing God. There are certain things that, that as time goes on, we get to know God better. We get to grow in our relationship with Him. There are degrees in knowing God. And this is a spiritual thing. The spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. It's a spiritual thing. It's, it's great to learn facts. I'm all for that. Can you have a personal relationship with George Washington? You can learn a lot of facts about George Washington. You can know his likes and dislikes. You can know all kinds of things about George Washington, but you cannot have a personal relationship with George Washington. If all you do is learn facts about God, you do not have a personal relationship with God. You just know a lot of facts about God. And those facts won't make sense without knowing God, without knowing the heart of the Father, without that spiritual peace, the, the facts don't have the same weight. Is the clock right? I feel like we should have way more time. When is this service supposed to be over? 11.35? Huh? Yeah. Well, 11.30, but I give myself five extra minutes. Uh, you know, fluff time, you know. Oh, 11.35. You know, where you're talking about tattoo pays and that sort of thing. That's, that's five minutes, so just pull it out. So, all right. That means we need to crank through this. If we, if we can be focused, we can gain tremendously. You know, it's not about how much time you spend listening to a sermon. It's about what difference does it make. Do you believe this can make a difference? Getting to know God better. That can make a difference. That is a deep, deep thing. Even just leaving here thinking to yourself, I can get to know God better. How am I going to do that? And endeavoring to do so. 
that is, boy, that's worth coming on a 30 below Sunday morning. Do you know what it's like to be rejected? I think pretty much everybody does. We, as life goes on, we get rejected by peers. You know, like uh, you get the, you're the last one picked in the, in, for the football game, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, rejected by, you know, trying to ask somebody to go to prom with you or something and, and, and just get rejected. We get rejected by prospective employers, um, you know, all these different, we just experience rejection in life quite a bit. Jesus knows what it means to be rejected. I was praying this week about reach up. And so I get to be in here all by myself and just pray and walk around. I walk in all the aisles and pray for everybody that's going to be here. And so your little area has been prayed for. And this thing of, of rejection, you know, reach up. And this thing of rejection just came up. And it, the, the thing I got was God is the most rejected being that exists. God is rejected by billions of people that He wants relationship with. That He is, is seeking out and and creating circumstances to try to open doors, and they're rejecting and rejecting and rejecting billions of them. And I thought, I don't want to be one of them. I don't want to reject God. I don't want God to look at me and think, wow, I wish I, I, wish I could connect. But He just won't. He just can't get through the shell. I don't want Him having that experience with me. But when I looked at it, I thought, boy, there's some ways he's having that experience with me. There's ways where, where God wants this and I want that. And so I'm, I mean, I believe God is. I believe God is good. There's a bunch of stuff we're going to go through. There's a big list. But have you ever resisted God? Rejected a part of God. It's not fun being rejected, is it? I don't want to do that to the God that loves me. If we reject God, would that adversely affect our relationship with Him? Well, duh. Yeah, that's creative notes I've got here. (laughs) Just like we can get to know God in degrees, we can accept God in degrees. We can accept God more. You know, we can even accept God in certain areas and not in others. Like, I've given my afterlife to Christ. But this life, <laughs> I'm keeping for me. Or, you know, I've, I've given my hurts to God. But my way of handling relationships, I'm going to do that my own way. 
There's these things, we'll give certain things to God, but we want to keep other things for ourselves. Like the old joke about the guy who went to get baptized, and as he went up there, he pulled his wallet out. And he was going to get baptized, and the preacher was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I mean, I'll, I'm a, I'll give myself, I'll give my mind, I'll give my heart to Christ, but I'm, I'm not giving this. You know, so he want to go down and hold his wallet up in the air, you know. We compartmentalize and give parts of our life to Christ. That adversely affects our relationship with God. He wants us to give every aspect, all of who we are to Him. Completely and totally, and to lean into it. Not to be pushing away and running away. He wants us to lean in. What are ways that we can either reject or accept God. The opposite, of course, of reject is accept. What are ways we can accept the living God? And ways we can reject the living God? Are you motivated to accept God fully? To grow in your knowledge of Him? To have that relationship take a step forward this morning? Are you ready for that? Because we are going to try to get there. First one, ways that people can reject God. Of course, they can reject God's existence. I assume most of you are past that. Um, God is very, very real. I can give you arguments for the existence of God if you would like. Um, though my wife would be mad at me if I did, and we don't have much time. Uh, but even just the existence of time indicates that something outside of time exists which is not anything that's in our reality, so something of some other reality has to exist. So there you go, you got that. Free will, I believe, is a miracle. It's an interjection into this reality that's not based on natural law. Just the fact that we have choices indicates that there's a spirit part of our being that's not subject to the physical world. The equality of humanity, I believe, is a great argument for the existence of God. All people are not the same if God is not real. Different people are less evolved than others. We're not equal if there is no God. There's all kinds of different ways we can talk about whether or not God exists and the things that we see and we know that really rely on God. So we can reject or accept God's existence. You know you can do that in pieces too? Like you sort of know God's real? but it hasn't quite sunk in. Next one, we can reject or accept God's character. We can question God's character. Did you know God is good? Have you wondered if He was bad? Lots and lots of people do. And primarily because they've been lied to. Because they've been told that the reason that some loved one that they they uh, cared about deeply, died in some accident, or had some horrible disease, like, oh, that's just God's blessings in disguise. Well, baloney. That's a, that's, how can you not question God's character if somebody tells you that that's God? Remember the lady that was bent over for 18 years and, and Jesus healed her on the Sabbath and everybody got mad at him? Jesus said, hey, you water your donkey on the Sabbath. 
Why not loose this woman who Satan has bound for 18 years on the Sabbath? Who bound her? Well, God works in mysterious... No, it was the enemy. If Jesus had said, yeah, God wanted her just all crippled up for 18 years, you'd think, wow, God's maybe a jerk. That was Satan. We need to recognize that that truth is true today too. We need to accept that God is good. Trust in God's character. If you've been told something different, let me tell you, or or just the flat-out contradiction. God is good all the time, and He hurts people just maliciously. That's inconsistent. God is good all the time. He actually is. Accept God's character, that God is good. Oh no, now we'll get more serious. We can reject God's ways. Do you know God has ways for us to live? Ways for us to be? And we can say, no, I don't want any of that. I want to live my own way. We can disobey God and thus reject God's ways. Does that benefit us? Well, if you think that God maybe isn't good and He causes all these painful, horrible things to happen to people, now, can you learn something in the midst of those situations? Absolutely. Is God with you through those situations? Absolutely. Will He cause you to grow and bring something good out of that situation? Absolutely. That doesn't mean that there will be cancer in heaven. There won't be. There won't be death in heaven. God's perfect will is done in heaven. If you want to know what it's like if the only influence on reality is God, that's heaven. There are other influences here. We can reject God's ways because we're not sure of God's character. Maybe He just wants me to have a super boring life and maybe a little bit of a miserable life. No, God is good. He wants you to have an exciting life. He wants you... I get to like travel the world and meet... I I get to preach to an Albanian congregation, have it translated, and they're all yelling. And I mean, it was great. That's exciting. That's fun. When we submit our lives to Christ, when we do things God's way, we get to see wonderful things. Also, John chapter 8, 31 and 32, talks about doing things God's way. To the Jews who had believed Him, Jesus said, so this is people who trust Him, if you hold to my teaching, that is, if you obey me, if when I say love your neighbor, you actually do, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Is there a promise that the truth not acted upon will set you free? No. The truth is acting on what God has called you to do, or God's ways, doing God's things His way. When we do it, then we see it, and we know the truth. Oh, that's why. And then it sets us free. Only after we do it 
We can reject God's ways, but I tell you, His ways are higher than our ways. We should accept God's ways. You can reject God's plan for your life. Some people think they get to pick. Where's that in the Bible? You get to pick whatever you want to do. Pray. (laughs) Seek the Lord. Find out what His plan is for your life. It's not in the Bible. You need a direct revelation from God. Now, go by, just keep going, serving God best you can until you find out. There will be long periods of time in your life where you're not exactly sure. <laughs> just keep going, serving God. But there will be times, and I imagine you've experienced this, where you know God has asked you to do something. And you can either reject that, or you can accept it. I have one really horrible horrible experience where God clearly told me to tell a specific thing to a specific person. And I was super shy. And so, I just didn't. I will not do that again. I will not do that again. Accept God's plan for your life. When you know something that He's calling you to do, do it. We can accept or reject God's Word, the Scriptures. I made a choice to believe the Word of God. I grew up in a scientific home where you believe things based on evidence. So if you haven't specifically proved out each verse, why would you believe it? Then I found out the Christian way of thinking is to believe by faith and to trust the Word of God. And then I began to grow as a Christian when I trusted the Word of God. Prior to that, I gained information, but I certainly did not grow as a believer. I did not grow in my relationship with God. When I gave the Scripture authority over me, I began to grow in my relationship with God. We can reject God by rejecting God's family, by rejecting His kids. You know, His kids are messed up. We've talked about that a little bit already. If somebody hates your kids, even if your kids are messed up, does that help your relationship with that person or hurt your relationship with that person? It hurts your relationship with that person. People, I was there, as I told you earlier, I had a critical spirit that was huge. Hated Christians, especially leaders, pastors and teachers. I just wanted to choke them. You know, Then again, I was delivered of that. Praise God for that. God's people can be messed up, but we have to love them. We have to accept God and accept His kids. Now, help them. Don't just give up on them and let them be fools. You know, do your calling. Preach the Word to them. Do your thing. If we're going to grow in our relationship with God, we need to grow in our relationship with God's family. You're called to fit into that family. Did you know that? You have any brothers? You have any goofy brother like me who gets me like tattoos to put on my head? He's my brother. I love my brother. We've got brothers and sisters in Christ that are way goofier than that. You need to love them, help them. 
but love them. We can reject God in worship. That's why I mentioned that earlier. Have you, in my hypercritical time, I didn't always worship God during the worship service. I judged the experience. Looked around for something I could dislike. But I did not focus on loving Jesus. That's a problem. We can resist worshiping God. Now we're getting into a little bit more touchy-feely world. We need to open ourselves up to God in worship. We need to align ourselves properly by putting ourselves underneath God in worship. We can reject God by rejecting worship. We need to accept worshiping God. And the last one, uh, we're going to take communion. The last one before we do that is we can reject the Holy Spirit. You think Jesus is hated? How about the Holy Spirit? People talk about the Trinity. They only like two of them. But where does our relationship with God happen? The rubber meets the road with the Holy Spirit. Without that, we can be stuck in intellectualism. If you can't hear from God, how are you going to get to know God? Read the book. Get to know some facts. Say things that other people think you should say. But if you want to get to know God, you cannot reject the Holy Spirit. Now, different people are at different places with that. We have, you know, we have prophecy and stuff in the services. We, we like that. We like hearing from God individually. We like hearing from God as a group. It's a good thing. Eat the hay, spit out the sticks, all that stuff. But if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you have to be open to the Spirit of God. If you reject the Spirit, you're rejecting God. Why don't we start uh, handing out the communion elements? And as we do that, I'm going to read John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12 says this. He was in the world, that is, this is Jesus. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This is talking about Jesus coming to this earth and being rejected. Jesus was tried as a criminal. He was blasphemed. He was made fun of. by the people He made. He knows what it's like to be rejected. Does, did everyone reject Jesus? No. Some accepted Jesus. What happened for those who accepted Jesus? Yet... To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God.
if that can sink into your heart. I always used to feel like I didn't belong with God. You know? If you've had children, they don't need to bring much to the table. You know, the little baby, hey, what can you do for me? No, it's not that. They can be the worst looking baby ever. (laughs) The parents are just like, oh, so precious and wonderful. Oh. Children of God. And not the right to become children of God. We're not putting him out. This is something that belongs to us. This is something that when we receive Christ, when we receive what He's done, we are given the right to be children of God. We belong. Your kids have a right to be in your home. We have a right to be children of God. When we believe in His name, when we do not reject Him, but we accept Him. We have a right. I was looking the wrong way. Thank you. I get the gluten-free ones. Super. Amen. We take communion to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. His body was broken for our healing. His blood was shed for our forgiveness. And we recognize that. How much does God want you in His family? A lot. A lot. Don't push Him away. Don't reject. Don't make the living God, the Creator of the universe, be rejected because of you. Let him be accepted. Let him be loved. Let him have relationship because of you. Because of what Christ did, we who are imperfect can have relationship with a perfect holy God. What a blessing that is. Let's take advantage of it. Let's pray and partake together. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We honor you. We love you. It's amazing that we can have a relationship with you. That is amazing. Father, we know that that can be, it can be so much more than what we now understand, what we now see, what we now know and experience. Lord, help us to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to get to know you better. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did on the cross so that I could have that relationship with you, with the Father, with the Spirit. I thank you that you you died for each one of us. All of us, there isn't one in here that you did not die for and give that opportunity to. Lord, let us not leave you rejected, but let us embrace you fully and love you, accept you, believe in you, trust in you, and see how far we can go in our relationship with you while we're still here on this earth. We give you praise. Let's partake together. This is the body of Christ which was broken for you.
And this is the blood of Christ, which was shed for you. Thank you, Lord. Praise be to your name. Help us to fully accept you. Help us to walk in your ways. Bless us and encourage us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.